Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. So tonight, uh, we've asked Bryson to come. Normally he's upstairs uh, with all of the youth and Rush, uh, but we've stolen him away for the evening. And we've asked him to come down and preach to us tonight. So Bryson, come on up. We're looking forward to the word. Thank you, Pastor Bruce. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night. Wednesday night is one of my favorite nights of the week, mainly because I get to hang out with some of your kids, and tonight because I get to hang out with you guys. I love what I get to do. I have the coolest job in the world. I get to, uh, mainly, I, I think that since I graduated from high school, I started serving in youth, so really, I don't know if I've ever graduated from youth group, and I'm cool with that. Like, a lot of people are just thinking, keep me away from middle schoolers, keep me away from high schoolers. I'm saying if there's brownies and Mountain Dew and Cheetos and Doritos, I'm there. Like, let's do this Bible study. Let's get the Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, I believe uh, if you have a student here in Rush, if you have a student uh, anywhere else, I believe in your kids. And I believe that they're called to change the world. And it's my honor to be a part of their lives and a part of your lives. Uh, we are, uh, we've been in kind of a series on Sundays and I understand uh, here on Wednesdays as well through Bethel's discipleship path. We've been talking about kind of the three things we believe every Christian is called to in their growth journey. Uh, and do we remember, do we know the three things here? I think we can say them together. They are there are no, grow, and go. That's exactly right. Real quickly, we've kind of been going through this, at least on Sundays, and again, I believe on Wednesdays, uh, what it looks like. I think we have three different spots that say exactly. So to know includes worship services, showing up on a Wednesday, showing up on a Sunday, also our Connect class, being part of a life group. And then as you go into the grow category, there's serving, there's being a part of the B1 discipleship training and equip classes, which we've been hearing more and more about as they're getting ready to start a new year of. And as we go, they're sharing your faith, leading a life group, and joining in local and global outreach. So tonight we're gonna to talk about sharing your faith and I'm really, really excited about it. I, I actually really like how these series have been formatted, how it's actually, we haven't been going through, we're talking about Connect Class and then we talk about this and we talk about that because this whole journey isn't meant to be viewed lin linearly. So it's not that we go to worship service, check, and then we went through connect class, check, and then we joined a life group, check, but we as Christians are always called to be knowing God more, and we're always called to be growing in God, and we're always called to be going with God. So tonight we're talking about sharing your faith, and I love that I get to talk about this because I'm not an evangelist. I think a lot of times uh, we can be in settings like this and they hire or they find the best, most full of faith person that, hey, you know, I talk about the 10,000 people I just led to the Lord or the, the revival I just started, but I'm, I'm not that guy. That's, that's, not, that's not my thing. I can make some pretty cool graphics. I can, you know, say some funny stuff every now and again. The whole being an evangelist isn't necessarily my thing. I'm a normal person, but I believe 
Just as the Bible says in 2 Timothy that we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. It's not an option. It's not like we get to pick our menu of what we participate in as Christians, where maybe we tithe, but if we don't tithe, we're going to read our Bible. Maybe we're going to read our Bible and, and go, or maybe, no, it's not like that. Jesus calls us to be a part of the mission, not just of knowing God and growing in God, but going with God and just like I'm not an evangelist, I'm also not a baseball player. Um, but I thought I would sport some, some little league pride with the uh, Creve Hall Storm. We'll get to that in a second. Because as I was thinking about sharing your faith and as we've been in this past series, for me, uh, it was about a month ago when we started this series that I started to do a little self-inventory because yes, I'm on staff here. Yes, this is my job. But I'm also a member here at Bethel. I've done the Connect class. I have gone through the pastoral interview. I'm a member here, and so because I also am a member, I, I, I'm kind of looking down and doing a little self-inventory and saying, okay, you know, that's an area, maybe I'm not, you know, 100, but I'm doing all right there. Here's something that, and, and looking at sharing your faith on there, it was something that God really pricked my heart. He really challenged me saying, Bryson, yes, you might be, you know, doing all right at this. Yes, you might be doing okay at this. We all have areas to grow in everything. But sharing my faith wasn't something that I, I was necessarily a, an extreme participant in unless it was convenient for me. And so I set out on this, this mission saying, God, okay, challenge me, let's do this. And it wasn't so much since then, although I do want to go back through our win one class and, and whatnot, it wasn't an extreme training that changed my mind. It was a paradigm shift. And I believe that tonight God wants to change our perspective on what evangelism really is, hence my baseball jersey. And, and so when I was a kid, we have a, a little uh, picture, I believe, of me playing t-ball. Uh, there is, that was about the best I did. That kid, he's cute, but he is terrible at t-ball, just so we're all clear on that. So I played t-ball and, you know, I was, I had fun, had some great pictures because I'm a millennial. Yes, I did get a trophy. I was that good. It was a participation trophy, but it was a trophy, doggone it, and we got it. But after the T-ball experience, I kept on, you know, I kept on going, felt pretty good. I got the trophy. And after T-ball, you go into this uh, kind of league before little league called coach pitch, right? So first you have T-ball, and then there I'm graduated to coach pitch. And so uh, what that means is you're no longer hitting something off of a tee, but there's somebody on the mound who's been training you, who's been with you, and he's sending you balls, wanting you to win. And I think that evangelism, sometimes we have the wrong perspective. Uh, if you're anything like me, I sort of viewed evangelism uh, a little bit more like I was stepping into the MLB and I had to be ready. I had to do my batting practice. I had to do my training, show up. And then I, you know, I kind of psych myself up. The, the fans are all, there's the great cloud of witnesses, right? It's in there. And so they're all saying, okay, yeah, you can, you can do this. And you look out and there's the devil on the mound and he's getting ready to throw the ball. And you're just like hoping that you can make it because I'm supposed to, because it says no grow, go. And so I have to make it in. So we end up thinking about evangelism and looking something like this. Nope. Next, actually, sorry. Next one. I told you I would do that, Ron. So we look like this. 
because we're not that fancy evangelist. We, we've seen the evangelist and they look like the lightsaber guy. So they're looking at it and they're like, oh, I got this. There's this, you know, the devil's throwing, you know, 100 mile per hour atheists at us and he's like, boom, I'm ready to go. Uh, but we're a little scared that we're gonna fail and that we're gonna actually end up somewhere like that. <laughs> or even worse, we're gonna be that guy where we find ourselves finding pennies in the outfield. But I think that rather than viewing it as a major league baseball game that we're not ready for, this evangelism thing is a little bit more like playing coach pitch. We're not out here where God's the umpire ready to say, you're out, but God's the one on the mound sending us situations that he wants us to win at. God's there and he's throwing things that he thinks we can hit. And he's sending us stuff because he's been training us, he's been spending time with us, and he's ready for us to win. When we share our faith, we cannot lose. There is not a way that we can lose, and we're gonna talk about that in a second, but I really hope you come away from tonight. I've been to so many of these sermons where people talk about sharing your faith, and I felt so guilty that I don't. And I hope that tonight you don't just hear that evangelism is something you should do. I hope it's that you hear it's something that you can do. It's not just something you should do, but it's something that you can do. And we see an extremely unlikely evangelist in John 4. I love this story. This is one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. It's the woman at the well. So uh, if you're not familiar with it, just a little Cliff Notes version. We have Jesus, who is a, a Jew. They're kind of traveling. They decide to take a little shortcut, and they go to Samaria, which is a place where Jews normally don't like to go. They don't like Samaritans. They think that they're less than. They think that they, this is kind of the, the bad part of town. This is kind of the hood that we try and go as far away from as possible when we're making our roots. But they take this little shortcut, and Jesus kind of says, hey, give me a second. They, the disciples go to get some food and Jesus finds himself at the well. He, he sees a woman there who is getting water in the middle of the day when it's the hottest time when no one else was going. And so they start this dialogue. Jesus sits down and begins to explain that what he can offer, uh, unlike the water she's about to take, he is the living water and she will never go thirsty again. And he has this uh, divine conversation with this woman who uh, we find out had a scandalous past, was living a sinful lifestyle, but she has an encounter with Jesus and everything changes. So they have this dialogue and she comes to the revelation just before this and I believe verse 27, John 4, 27, uh, that Jesus is the Messiah because he tells her this one that you're talking about, the Messiah, I am he. And we pick up here in verse 20, uh, 28, John 4, 28, and uh, we're gonna read just a few verses here now. And so it says, speaking of the woman, then... Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. That's gonna be important in a second. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, so they just got back and they said, rabbi or teacher, eat something. 
But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food or how does this work? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and the harvest a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps. It's true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you want to speak tonight. God, I pray that you encourage us, that you fill us with courage and power from on high as we look into this divine book. God, would you speak to us tonight? In your name we pray, amen. As I was thinking about sharing your faith and, and kind of this topic and this idea and, and what had God been downloading to me and what are some stuff that I've kind of struggled through and, and worked through, I... I think that we all have some maybe common hesitations to sharing our faith or common fears per se. And uh, I, I was realizing as I was reading the scripture that I think it actually addresses them all for me. And maybe there's some exceptions. Maybe your fear is that when you're sharing your faith, someone's going to pull your pants down. It doesn't say that. Or maybe, you know, that you're going to get egged. It doesn't say that. But I think when we look at the, the major categories of what might be drawing us back from sharing our faith, it says a lot of it. And I did a little bit of research just to see uh, kind of what some common hesitations are. And so we're going to talk a little bit about those. I think we'll probably identify with certain ones more than others, or, but hopefully one kind of resonates with you. The, one of the biggest reasons why people decide they're not going to share their faith is that they feel like they're not qualified or that they don't know how. I'm not qualified and I don't know how. I've been there. Has anybody been there? I mean, like, that little dude is not alone. Like, I, I am there. You know, we feel like we need that one more class or we need to read Dr. Rice's book one more time or we need to watch that one more YouTube video or we need to really get it down because we're viewing it like that major league baseball game that we need to go to one more practice before we're ready for the big game, not realizing that Jesus is on the mound wanting to send us places and, and things and then situations where we can really win. And it makes me think about this woman, this woman who never went to an equip class and she never went to an Engage 2020 training, but she had an encounter with Jesus. And it's not just a person who had a encounter, but we're talking about one, let's look at a little bit of context. This is a woman. 
And so in this context, in this, uh, I'm not throwing any shade anywhere, but just looking at the time period that they're in, they actually didn't count women's testimonies in court. They didn't count it as valid in any situation. And so number one, she's a woman. If anybody could feel unequipped or unqualified, it would probably be her at the time, right? And so I can imagine her walking back into uh, the city, the town where she came from, thinking, okay, well, did I, do I know what I'm doing? Okay, well, I, gotta, I got to. I just met Jesus like that, and I, I got to say something. Beyond that, not just being a woman, but we find out that she's a, a woman with a scandalous past, living a sinful lifestyle, therefore discrediting her even more. But she's walking, she's saying, I got to tell somebody. This isn't something I can just keep to myself. I met someone who told me everything I've ever done and I gotta do something about it. If she can do it, we can do it. I think about, man, if we have someone who's walking into a situation knowing that she might get, uh, someone might be laughing in her face, walking into a situation not even sure if it's gonna count or if she's just gonna be speaking to deaf ears, I think that I can do it. If she can do it, we can do it. Another thing that people say is, I'll do it later. Is uh, maybe uh, it does include, I need to go to a class or I need to think some more, I need to pray some more, but I think that there's a, a little sense of urgency that we're missing, especially in America. I think that we can be so comfortable and realize, man, we just built this building. The seats are great. I, you know, I did my, my Think3 offering. I did my Finish Strong offering. I paid for this building, doggone it. I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna, yes, God. Yes, Lord. I'm gonna have my worship time. I'm gonna have my Christian experience because, you know, there's always gonna be lost people. They're gonna be just as lost tomorrow as they are today. And so we'll get to it later. But I love what Jesus says to his disciples about evangelism and about uh, the harvest. Uh, he has this little thing that we can miss in the middle uh, where he, he talks about, hey, you have this saying, it's still four months until harvest. Um, you know, there was two harvest seasons in Palestine that time there was barley and there was wheat and they would be about uh, opposite times of the year and in between them there would be about four to five months between harvest times and so what Jesus is saying is you have this saying it's still four months away and I think that we have this saying as well it's still four months Jesus we have time we know you're not coming back tomorrow. We know, I mean, you said soon, like 2,000 years ago. And so we know we got time, man. And the truth is that we might not. And we have people that are our neighbors that are uh, sitting around us that are, uh, we, we're interacting with at Starbucks that we just don't know. And, and there's this urgency that we're missing. And I, I think about Three or four years ago, or actually it was five years ago, that Pastor James first came to us with the word, it's harvest time. He said it's harvest time, and uh, it, it just makes me think, because being in this church, like I said, I'm not just on staff here, I'm a member of this church, and being a member of this church, I need to, 
reflect in my own heart and realize the false conceptions that I had about that word, thinking, okay, it's harvest time, so one day we're going to show up on a Sunday morning and every seat's going to be full because it's harvest time, right? It's harvest time, and so we sit around waiting for the harvest to come when we realize that when Jesus says the harvest is here, somebody had gone to get the harvest, that oh, he's saying that the harvest is here and we wouldn't say, hey, it's dinner time. And we all say, great. And we stay seated. It doesn't work like that. It says it's harvest time, meaning that there's a task at hand and we need to do it. We need to be a part of it. God has a plan to fill these seats in this auditorium, not just a, a, a hyperbole, not just a, a metaphor, not just a, a, you know, a theoretical seat filling, but God has a plan to fill these seats that are around us, but he wants to use you and I to do it. It's harvest time. The harvest isn't something that's coming. The harvest is something that's here. The harvest is at your apartment complex. The harvest is in your neighborhood. The harvest is at Publix and Kroger, and your harvest is everywhere you go. A big thing that people have a hard time is, what if I fail? People have a really difficult time signing up for a task that they're not sure if they're going to complete well. I, I know for me, it's been a difficulty. If I don't know that I'm going to win, if I don't know that, I, that I'm going to succeed, I don't know if I can do it. What if I fail? And what I love is in verse 37 and 38. Can we uh, pull that back up, Ron? 37 and 38. Jesus encourages them. It says, thus is the saying, one sows and another reaps. It's true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you've reaped the benefits of their labor. God has already gone before you God has already prepared hearts. God has already softened people to the gospel and you are going into a field reaping what you have not sown. God's calling you into a place, wanting you to win, and you cannot fail, church. I promise you, you cannot fail. We're going to talk about some wins in a second and how we know that when we share our faith, we can't fail. But one of my favorite verses lately is in Acts 5, and it's uh, in verse 38 and 39. It's when uh, they're talking, the, the disciples or the apostles are in front of the council, and uh, the Pharisees are deciding, what are we going to do with these guys? Are we going to go kill them? Are we going to go and put them in prison? And this wise old Pharisee comes and says, okay, let's just do the math really quick. This guy rose up saying he was the Messiah. People followed him. He died. They fled. This other guy, he said he was the Messiah. People followed him. He died. They fled. This Jesus, though, claimed that he was the Messiah. And now we have his followers after his death. If it's of man, it's going to fall away. It's going to fail. But if it's of God, it cannot be stopped. If we are going in the name of Jesus, the living God, the one who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, if we are with him, we cannot be stopped. I think the last one that we're going to talk about really quick is the excuse that it's not my personality. 
It's just not my style. I'm not, you know, some people might say I'm, I'm an introvert. I like reading and I don't like talking to people. Or, you know, that's for those really like bombastic Christians. They want like extra credit in heaven. I'm good with just my like B plus. I'm solid. I'm in the door. I'm doing better than some people. But if you want extra credit, go share your faith. But it's not, I'm sorry. Like if that... If that was your thing, like, it's, it's not allowed to be anymore. Like, I'm really sorry to be the guy to say that, but we're actually all called to be a part of this thing. And I think back to that woman, and do you think that it was her personality to go and say, hey, um, by the way, uh, this guy just changed my life. And so we're going to have just a little, just a quick uh, moment of, of training. You know, we had a little inspirational, you can do it, hoorah. But let's, if you have a, you know, if you have a notebook, you have your pen, we're going to talk about six conversation starting tips. I'm not even joking. Here are six things to do in conversations because that's such a, a big thing. Is people like, I don't know how to start a conversation with someone I don't know. And so... Here's number one, pretty easy. Smile, everyone say smile. smile. And practice it with your neighbor. Just look at someone, give them a good old fashioned smile. Not a creepy smile. Some of you guys are giving a creepy smile right now. Tone it down, meet me halfway, and just smile. People smile at people who are smiling at them. Number two, show interest. Show interest in what they're telling you about. Show interest in what they're doing. There was a, a, a young man that I met a couple weeks ago at my apartment complex. I shared my faith with him, my testimony, and last night I ran, to, ran into him uh, when I was getting my mail, and we sat down, and he was telling me about his band and his music and how he's, you know, he's working on this heavy metal uh, experimental project and this whole thing, and I, I sat there, and I was there for 20 minutes just listening to him, just showing, man, tell me about that. Man, tell me when you're playing a show, like, let me know. So uh, exchanged contact and followed him on uh, Instagram so I could, uh, I could see what he's up to, just showing interest. Ask open-ended questions. Ask questions that aren't a yes or no. Hey, did you get that at JCPenney's? Hey, did you go there for lunch? No, but it's questions, tell me about something you're excited about. Don't overshare. Now, this is, you know, be vulnerable. I'm not saying, like, you know, be closed off, but don't be that guy who, like, listens for 30 seconds just to tell your life story. You know, don't be that guy. Just, like, gauge it well. Uh, use humor if you're funny. I got this from a blog. I didn't write this. It said, use humor if you're funny. If you're not funny, just know your strengths and just... Just move on. Uh, you know, you don't want to be, the worst is like a nervous person that's not funny because they start like making fun of you or like something that's like, no, he said. So just put a, if it's not you and you know it, just put a N-A, N slash A, and we'll keep on moving. And last, don't take it personally if they don't want to talk, okay? So you didn't lose, you didn't fail. If someone's just like not feeling it, boom, that's for free. That's how you start some conversations. So this isn't to make us feel bad if we're not faith sharers looking at, oh, look at the woman at the well and she's so amazing and now we stink because we're not her. What happened is that God sent her a situation wanting her to win because he loved the Samaritan people. God loved the people so much that he Put this woman in this situation to meet Jesus, to share her faith. I don't know if you noticed, it was one sentence 
And she said, hey, come meet this guy who, shared, who showed me everything I've ever done. But God loved the Samaritans. It was uh, about two weeks ago now that I was at my home. I was coming home and I saw a few gentlemen in their car. And uh, I, I sort of made, since this is about a month ago that I decided I'm going to start sharing my faith more, I made a little bit of like a challenge to myself or, or thought saying, okay, when I'm at Starbucks or when I'm, you know, wherever, I'm just going to start into little league faith sharing, you know, thing. I'm not necessarily going to be a Mario Smith and just go wherever I want. But at my apartment complex, there's a lot of people that smoke. And so what they do is they smoke out. There's like three spots where you can sit out and smoke. And I think, okay, if you're smoking, one, I know you have five minutes because you're there. I'm serious. You're sitting there and you got nothing better to do. Maybe you're on your phone, but I know that I have a captive audience for at least five minutes. And then two, there is a, a chance and I, some people land different places with your convictions and, and things like that, but there's a higher chance that someone smoking needs Jesus than someone at Lifeway. And so instead of doing my evangelism at Lifeway, I decided just to do it at home. And so I know that I'm there, they're smoking, I'm going home, and so I'm, I have a second. So I decided that when people are smoking on the steps, I'm just going to go engage them, start a conversation, and, uh, and just maybe share my faith, maybe begin a relationship, but that's what I decided I was going to do. And so there was these two gentlemen smoking in their car. They have, you know, their SUV, it's open, you know, open doors, they're hanging out. There was, uh, you know, a, a bottle with a brown paper bag. I'm assuming it was just, you know, chocolate milk um, or something. Uh, so they have their the brown paper bag, bottle, cigarette, just chilling. And they were in the parking lot. I'm going to get my mail, then thinking, and I was like, hey guys, what's up? Uh, and kept on moving. And I'm telling the Lord, I'm like, hey, we talked about steps. Like, we're not talking parking lot. Like, I said steps, God. And so I'm off, like I'm off the hook and walk past and I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, no, you, you gotta go back and, and you know, just, just talk to him, just talk to him. So I'm, you know, like I, I don't, I, uh, I'm not very much of a gangster. Um, and so I walk, I walk up, my little skinny jean wearing self, uh, hanging, hanging out and I just be, you know, I, I'm also not very like, cool in those situations, uh, so, but I'm like, okay, but God called me to go, so I walk up, and, uh, you know, he didn't necessarily maybe see me walk up, so we, I'm like five feet away from him, I say, hey, he's uncomfortable, I'm super uncomfortable, my hands are up, I'm like, why are my hands up right now, uh, but we are, but we're there, okay, so we're having the conversation, and I'm like, you're, you're here, and you're like, okay, just gotta be cool about that one. Anyway, uh, so we're, you know, we start talking, and and I'm like, hey guys, I don't know if you're Christian, you know, if you're Christians, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit had something, you know, uh, just encouraged me to come talk, just encourage you. And uh, and the first thing he says, he looks at me, and we're about, I'm maybe four feet away from him, and he, he looks at me, and he said, we look like we need to be encouraged. I'm like, hey man, like we all need to be encouraged. Like we all need, we all need something. And it began this dialogue and we, I, I shared my testimony with him. And uh, by the end, he offered me some of his chocolate milk. I said, no, uh, no, thank you. 
but uh, it, it began this relationship that since then I, I've ran into both of them in, in the, the parking lot. I've prayed with one of them about a job. And we just began this relationship. And it's just because, guys, I promise you, I just told you, I'm not good at this. I'm not. So, but I said, if she can do it, I can do it. And if I can do it, you can do it. I promise. I'm not that good. And so uh, just going into this situation because... God loves Samaritans, and God loved those guys that are in my parking lot, and God loves the people that are in your neighborhood, and God loves scary people, and God loves people that are drinking and smoking, and God loves uh, the people that you don't like. God loves Republicans and Democrats and gay people and homeless people. God loves the world. It says God so loved the world, not part of the world. And so he's calling us to Samaria. He's calling us to Jerusalem, to Judea. And I love Acts 1.8 when he says, you're going to receive power. Don't be afraid. You're going to receive power to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. So in closing, I want to tell you what a win is when you're in these situations. Because like I said, when you share your faith, you cannot lose, and I'm going to tell you why. Like I said earlier, I'm a millennial, and I know a lot about winning. My whole life has been winning. I've never lost in my life. I've gotten second place out of two, but I've never lost. (laughs) Never. Got to get that red ribbon like a champ. So when you're in a conversation engaging people, There are three things I want to highlight uh, that you will win by, I promise. So a win is a seed sown. Say a seed sown. Now, we can come in like the MLB thinking that we need the home run and we need, you know, if they're not ending that conversation, throwing the yoo-hoo on the ground and, you know, their, their knees are hitting the ground and they're crying and stuff that we lost. But no, that's not our job. It's not our job. Paul actually says uh, that uh, it was uh, uh, I that planted, Paul that planted, Apollos, who's another uh, leader, he watered. But it's only God that brings the increase. So we can't judge our fruitfulness based off if people are getting saved or not. We can judge it based on if we are sowing seeds. And uh, I I think Pastor Rice shares that it takes um, the average person seven and a half times, seven or eight times, somewhere in there. Uh, for people to hear the gospel on average before they're going to make a commitment to Christ. So what I say after I, uh, I share it and they say, you know, not right now, I walk away and I say, God, I hope that's number six. God, I hope that's number six. Let the next person lead this person to you. So a seed is sown. Boom. You can't lose. Number two, a win is personal growth. You will love Jesus more the more you share Jesus. I promise you will grow as a Christian, you will grow as a leader, you will grow as a person, being a person who practices sharing your faith. And I think that you're probably thinking in the back, if you have maybe just a little part of your brain that thinks this way, okay, Bryson, that's really encouraging, but what if I go and I get beat up? What if like he's super mad like, or, or this goes just terribly, I get beat up. I promise you there are so many scriptures in the Bible about people who are getting persecuted getting more blessings. I'm like so serious right now. Like it's nice to laugh because we're a little more comfortable when we do. But guys, a reward is in heaven for us. A win is a reward in heaven if it doesn't go well. 
Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, I kind of want to make the list. Like, I kind of hope one, you know, I'm not necessarily asking to be a martyr or anything, but maybe I'll take a punch to the face. Like, if, it, if it's going to get me a reward in heaven, I'm in. Like, guys, you cannot lose. I promise you, if you share your faith, you cannot lose. And so I have a couple challenges for you, a little bit of application before we close. And I'm going to have to, I apologize, but summer camp is next week, so I'm going to have to pretty much run to the other side and get kids signed up for summer camp uh, after this. But a couple challenges I have for you. One, pray that God would send you fish. In your time with the Lord, Pray that God would send people your way that need him. Just pray for it. And just say, God, I pray for one. God, I pray for one person today to come into my path. And God, I know that you're the, the coach on the mound sending things my way. And so God, I pray you send it just right down the middle so I can see that it's you and I can share my faith. God, would you send it to me? Number two, I challenge you to write out your story. All she did was share what Jesus did in her life. And we have kind of something we, we call a two-minute miracle around here, which is trying to fit your salvation story into two minutes. Like I said, if I'm walking up and they have a cigarette in their mouth, I have five. So I'm at a little bit of an advantage, but I want uh, one or two of those to be, you know, engaging them and, and hearing about them, then two of it sharing mine, and then I got one more minute to hear what they think about it. But we want to try and get our story into, into that two-minute gap, but even if it's not, just write down your story. What's Jesus done in your life? You want to take, uh, first talk about well, who you were before Jesus, then what happened where Jesus intersected with your life, and then lastly, what life is like after. Third, make a challenge to yourself. I think that uh, when I thought about, like I said, I've sort of told the Lord, like, okay, God, if there's someone, you know, at, at this place that I'm going to share my faith there's a part of you that says, no, that's legalistic, Bryson. There's a difference between legalism and self-discipline. I'll tell you, for me, I'm not an incredibly disciplined guy. I am not legalistic at all. I come from the Northwest where we actually like eat legalistic people for dinner. We just like, we are just anti-legalism. And, and for me, I realized that I was like, well, Bryson, you're being a little legalistic, but I, I realized, God, I need this right now, that I need to make a challenge to myself. So maybe make a challenge to yourself. I'm going to share my faith once a month. Because I'll tell you, a small challenge that you can complete is better than no challenge that you don't complete. So if you say, I'm going to share my faith once a month, boom, amazing. Challenge yourself and then the fourth thing and the final thing, and then we'll praise this week, share your faith. Don't wait till you go to another class. Don't wait till you think you're good at it. Like I said, I'm not good at it. But I said, Jesus, this is what you're calling me to. And if you really love my apartment complex, and if you really are who you say you are, you really can do what you say you can do, and you say you can use broken people like me I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna walk on the water, Jesus. I'm gonna take that step. This week, share your faith. It can be messy. You can kind of, you might mess it up, but you will win. Yes. 
Evangelism isn't just something you should do. Guys, it's something you can do. It's something we can do. I want to hear testimonies about people who met Jesus because of your messed up evangelism. Because of the times that I can't wait for Jay and Ray, who I met in that car, to be here at church saying, man, this guy was so scared when he came and talked to us. But I met Jesus. Guys, Jesus loves your neighborhood. Let's stand together and we're just going to say yes to God together. And if you're not ready to say yes to, to this, uh, you know, this idea of evangelism, there's nothing dramatic right now. You don't need to, you know, put, even put your hand up or do a, a handstand or anything right now to show uh, that you're a part of this. But right now, just in your soul, just take a self-inventory and say, God, what little I have, I'm going to let you use it. God, I've never done this before, but I'm going to let you use it. God, I'm scared, but I'm going to let you use it. God, I'm not sure if I can succeed, but I'm going to let you use it. God, I know it's not necessarily my natural proclivity or my personality type, but I'm going to let you use it. God, I don't know when I have time, but I'm going to let you use the time that I have. God, here is my life. Take it and use it. Lord Jesus, right now we stand in front of you in awe of who you are. And we pray for that same Acts 1-8 power to come upon us. Lord, that because your yoke is easy and your burden is light, Lord, I pray that just like a coach on a mound, you would send us situations where we can win. God, I pray uh, that you would help us keep the right perspective when we look at evangelism and when we're walking up to someone who needs you, help us to not do it without you. But God, we invite you into our lives and we invite you into every situation and every conversation. And it's in your mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good job, Bryson. Thank you so much. That was powerful, wasn't it? Challenge.